Hello, readers. Hi. It's time for us to talk about our June book of the month. Uh, which, first, before we jump into today's podcast, I will just say I was hoping we kept delaying and delaying, not for this initial reason, but I also have a cold. So I apologize if you hear me sniffling or sneezing or coughing uh, in I've this podcast. I, it's not, I, I just have a little bit of a cold. Um, and it's just making me sniffly, so hopefully it won't be too disruptive to the podcast. But, anyway, we are here, uh, to talk about, oh, wait, should I, should I introduce myself? I don't know. I'm Ronnie. Hi, I'm Ian. I'm eating Pop-Tarts. And Ian is eating Pop-Tarts. And welcome to another episode of Shared Pages, a podcast where we alternate who picks a book and we discuss it. It's a couple's <laughs> podcast. It's so novel, right? Anyway, our book of the month for June was my pick, and I picked... Luna, can you... <laughs> I feel like it was in particular a weird thing, because it was a book I bought Okay, that was a book of the month, and then Ronnie picked that book because I had it, and it was LGBT. So, it's, the book is Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell, and I just have to say, spoiler alert, this was my favorite book from our entire thing so far. Like, of all the books we've read, this was, has been my favorite. Which, as Ian said, is funny because he got it because it was a book of the month at, at Barnes & Noble one time. And then he just had it and hadn't read it. And then I was like, I don't know, it's June, I need an LGBT book. And this one sounds kind of interesting, so I'm just going to pick this one because I ended up not having enough time to like research a different one. And it ended up being so good, I thought. It was it had everything that I wanted. Love, drama, romance, a little bit of politics, but not the kind of politics that make me depressed. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah. So yeah. I guess we should jump into discussing it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have to say this. Well, let's start with the, the cover. Also, there are alternate covers for this book. I think all of them are beautiful. I really like the design. The color palette, like you said, is just very pleasing with, like, the sunset in the background. There's the outlines of the two guys with the stars inside of their outlines. It's it's great. I don't know. I really, I like the cover. Of I just realized, because we have next month's book sitting here, too, and both covers have silhouettes on them. They do. Silhouettes are the new thing, although this book isn't new <laughs> for next month. But I really do think silhouette art is underappreciated. Mm -hmm. There's just something very evocative about it, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of sounds going on know, around us right scared. now. What is happening? Like a door so behind us in our apartment slammed, despite there only being like three doors in the whole apartment. <laughs> and then I, it sounded like a car horn beside me, but I don't know. There's no car in the apartment, obviously. <laughs> I'm just going to keep eating my pop-tarts. Yeah, we're just going to ignore that poltergeist and keep going. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so there, the book cover, beautiful. And like I said, there are some alternate covers that follow a similar you, design. You really did like. say the only criti criticism you had of the book covers is that they didn't look how the people are described. You're right. But, funnily enough, they look how they feel in my brain. You're right, I did say that. because, And the main reason I say that is one of the characters... Jainan is described as having long dreads, and neither of the silhouettes, at least on my copy, look like they have long dreads, so I was a little disappointed with it's, that. It's insane to me, because I listen to the audiobook, because I like to, most of the time, I like to read the book and have the audiobook when I go on walks, so I can like continue going through it. I somehow completely just missed that sentence. Of, I'm like, I... I knew he was black. They talk about how he wears it tied back a lot, and, too. But the first so, part, I was like, I have no memory of him having dreads. But then they talked about how long his hair was later. And I was yeah. like, in my head, he was bald this whole time. No, nah, he has long dreads. And I think Keem has, like, I imagine, like, perfect prince swooshy kind of wavy curly brown hair. You know, that kind See, of I imagine look. very blonde with, like, very wavy, like, not... Not exactly slick back, but like he has like the hair pushed back with one Clark Kent curl. In my mind, I think Keem, because I think when Keem was describing Jainan in comparison to himself, he was like, I'm like 
brown. Mm. Like, Jainan is, like, darker, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. Gosh, I can't remember. I should no, have looked up the card. And I was like, so I, in my head from that moment, I imagined Keem as kind of like a, maybe like Indian ethnicity, and then Jainan was more like African ethnicity with like the darker skin, so he's like a little brown and then the darker black, but mm. I don't know. I wish I would have bookmarked that page where they described him, because Keem also talks about how sexy he thinks Jainan is at that point, <laughs> so that would have been a good little tidbit to share. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the book cover, I felt like neither of the silhouettes really looked like the silhouettes of the two main characters, which is the only disappointing thing. Other than that, it's beautiful. All right. Have we talked about the book cover enough? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we'll just jump in to the book. So the book follows two characters and it does something I really love in romance-centered novels, which is it follows both the main characters, Jainan and Kim, and you get both of their feelings throughout the book, and it's just, you know, they're like, oh, I don't think he likes me as much as I like him, and then you're like, he does, because you're reading both of them, and it's so good. But anyway, so the book starts uh, with Jainan's first husband, Prince Tam, dying in a tragic flying accident he, his ship explodes it's like i think i think the fly bugs in this yeah, are a, essentially cars they're like yeah they're basically flying cars so it seems his car and explodes. it seems like like something that's not common but it's like an easy thing to miss if you don't do maintenance on your vehicle it would be like oh you were driving too fast and you got a flat tire and yeah like spun out you know also, it should just be mentioned before we dive in further that this is a science fiction book. Yeah. So there's a lot of elements that are really cool and very science fiction-y, the flying cars being one of them. Um, so the book starts with Jainan's husband dying in this accident, and then Jainan is a representative for a smaller planet in this massive treaty throughout their galaxy system. Yeah, they're like a vassal state. They're a vassal state that uh, his husband was like their representative. So their their marriage was like symbolic of the unity between their two planets. And Jainan is in the less position of power because his husband had come from the Empire, essentially the ruling planet of the system. Mm. So uh, his husband dies, unfortunate that it happens a month before they're supposed to re-sign these treaties. So the emperor, emperor, who, by the way, this is an element I love of this, the emperor, who's a woman, uh, but they always, they refer to all the prin emperors and princes there's, as emperors and princes. There's other though. words like that. Like, I think after, like, actress is only a fairly new word. Like, all I feel like we are people, even... People, regardless of gender, were actors for a yeah. long time, until people used the word actress so much that they were like, okay, we're added to the dictionary. I feel like people are going back to just using actor, though. Yeah, too. yeah. Like, it probably depends on who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah. But anyway, the emperor is like, well, that shit ain't gonna fly. I gotta get you a new boo so that we can make it look like this treaty is rock solid new when we re-sign it. So she goes, and in my mind, although you can say his piece on this, too, about who he thought Keem felt like, she's like, I pick you, Keem. Uh, you've been kind of useless. You're kind of like the Prince Harry, is what I imagined him. I couldn't tell you the difference as, between any members of the royal family. Well, because uh, Prince Harry was like, I think if I'm remembering the right one, he's the redhead that's now not part of the family. Is he but, the one who showed up at that family dinner in a Nazi uniform once? Yeah, I think that okay. was him. But he, <laughs> but Keem didn't do anything that bad. Yeah. But you know how Prince Harry was kind of like the rebel and he was like, I'm going to go out partying all the time and I don't care what the royal family says. Keem's character also went through an arc like that when he was younger, and then now he's in the phase where he's in, like, his mid-twenties and is like, okay, I'm gonna try to be a respectable member of this family kind of guy. Yeah. So she's like, Keem, it's your time to shine, you're gonna marry this guy, and we're gonna make this treaty work, um, kind of thing. And Keem's like, I mean, I don't really want to, but I guess I'll say yes, because it, you're the emperor. It is so. funny that she essentially is like, hey, can you come to my personal chambers? And he's like, okay, that's weird. And then she's like, you're getting married. And he's like, excuse me? 
<laughs> Excuse me? Um, so you already know where this is going. Arranged marriage type tropes. Uh, we'll, we'll skim through the beginning part a little bit, I think. There's so, a lot. It's not a long book, and it's not... I read this in, like... Uh, in fact, what I think is most interesting about this book is that it takes place in a familiar yet unfamiliar culture, and they don't give you, like, almost any context of the politics or stuff. Yeah. But you just figure it out through conversation. You just kind of know. I mean, if you've read one political intrigue book, you've read them all. And that's why that's why <laughs> I said it's, like, a, a masterpiece of sensation for oh, me. Yeah. Like, in, personally, the plot doesn't do too much for me, but the way they describe the characters experiencing, like... Not just, like, physical touch and stuff, but, like, the space they're in, like, mm -hmm. is, like, How really the, that evokes feelings yeah, in them kind of thing. Yeah, impressive. Um, so, Keem and Jainan get married. Keem is essentially, I feel like he's the most likable man alive, to the point where if I met him, I'd be like, you're so likable, I don't know if I'd trust you, because you are just, like, so affable, so friendly, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. And then Jainan is kind of the opposite, where he's kind of very closed off, quiet. He's like, I'm going to do my duty because that's what's important to me kind of character. Um, so when I first, after I had first met both of them, at first I was like, I think Keem would really annoy me. And then I was like, Jainan seems like a likable fellow. And then like three-fourths of the way through the book, I was like, holy crap. It's the complete opposite now. So, I, I have to say, I do not share the sentiment. I love both of these characters, and I would die for them. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, so, and there's sprinkles in the beginning that I I feel like I picked up on, which I think you're supposed to as a reader, where I was like, Jaiden's last relationship was not good. Like, I was like, it's definitely not good because... His sister calls Keem before they get married and is like, hey, are you going to let me talk to my brother? And Keem is like, that's weird. Why would his sister call me to ask if she could speak with her brother? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then just how Jainan is overly apologetic. Like, anytime he does something that he thinks is a slight, they, even they, if it's not a slight, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. People who knew him before he was married and then have seen him now after he's married know that he has a tick where he's always looking over his shoulder. He always is looking over his shoulder. So, I mean, I, I feel like I definitely picked up early on, and I think maybe you're supposed to, as a reader, that Jainan's last relationship was abusive with Prince Tam. Um, but Keem is so kind and so caring and so gentle with him that, like, even on their first day together, it's so fun. It was kind of funny to me because you're getting both their sides and Keem's like, I don't know, I really want to sleep with this guy. And Jaden's like, I have to sleep with this guy for duty. And Keem's like, I was, I was waiting to see if you could hear the car outside. Yeah, I think you might be able to see the dumb motorcycle out there. Um, but then Keem's like, I'm not going to do anything if you don't want to, basically. And you know what I thought was a good part of this book? Is that they never made... Because one thing I hate about political marriage books like this is when they don't sleep together because they're trying to be respectful, but then everybody's like, listen, you have to each other yeah, yeah. okay but like nobody did that to them well they it, were like i don't know you guys are married it's like I we mean, don't need to know what you do in the bedroom it's a boys so. love book and they there's a few reasons i think you don't need to go into that one of them is just like it just doesn't matter in this book but two is like they're not a couple who's going to have a natural born baby because they're right. both men and then third they talk about this like he's like keem is like the 23rd in line or something for the throne. They're not I think short. It's even farther They're than that. They're not short it's of like, heirs. Yeah, no, they got plenty of heirs. They got heirs all up in this bitch, okay? They don't need any more. Um, but anyway, so the, the beginning of the book, honestly, I think Ian thought it was a little bit slow, but I liked it. It was kind of the slow building of Keem and uh, Jainan's relationship, where they're kind of learning these little aspects of each other. Like, they go to this, um, 
uh, what's the word, charity dinner at a college, because that's kind of Keem's big thing, because he was, like, the bad boy. <laughs> he flunked out of college. He, he and flunked out of like, college. You can still pay us. Yeah, he flunked out of college. He flunked out of basically everything he tried to do, and then his, his aide essentially was like, you know what I feel like you'd be really good at? Charity galas, because you like to shake hands and smile and talk to people. Feel like you could really do outreach for the palace that way. So Keem's big thing is that he goes to like these charity things, and that's kind of his job in the the palace. Um, so he takes Jinan with him, and Jinan ends up like talking with one of the I forget what he says his job is. He's like a space engineer. I don't know. He's <laughs> something smart. It, well, it's something in regards to mining asteroids. Yeah, something. Some some type of engineering for mining equipment for asteroids. For Which this, is like an interesting take, not only because like the uh Averina Maxwell uh-huh. created like a very like real planet, but then like, you know, that's like a good job for a spacefaring society to oh, like yeah, research. For sure. Because the major problem of space travel aside from energy usage is materials to build the things for space travel. Which meteorites would have a lot yeah. of the those materials. Those said so materials. Like it, it's so like I I feel like tracks. Like I don't know what she does outside of writing. Maybe she's like a physicist or something, right? I don't know, she but, might be. <laughs> but like I, I feel like she probably sat down and was like, What's well, like a space job? Yeah, what's was, a space what's job? A, what's a realistic space job of the future? Uh-huh. Um, the episode. The realistic <laughs> space job of the future. So so he goes there, and then Keem learns that, like, you know, Jainan is extremely intelligent. And when he's talking about his knowledge and his work in that aspect, he kind of opens up a little bit, because he's been very closed and reserved the whole time. So Keem kind of, like, encourages him to follow that. He's like, hey, if you enjoy studying this, you're, like, you're very smart. Like, maybe uh, pursue that path and, and continue doing this yeah, research Yeah, has a doctorate. Jaina has, he, I think he has multiple doctorates. And then he wrote, like, uh, he wrote, like, an essay or something that was, like, uh, commended throughout the scientific community or something, like, five years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um... So Keem, like, encourages that aspect of him, which Jainan finds very surprising because Tam essentially did the opposite and told him not to be involved with any of that. Um, and then, like, for example, Keem, uh, whenever him and Jainan are together, does, like, an expert job at, like, deflecting the press. When they have to go and do all these press things and Jainan's always, like, super nervous and kind of, like, like tightens up and he's like i don't know what to say and keem always like expertly slides in and it's like hey we're doing this thanks for coming guys blah 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 so the beginning of the book is a lot of them kind of figuring out what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and kind of realizing on jainan's part realizing oh keem is not tam like at the beginning and then keem kind of being like I was attracted to Jainan when I just saw him, but he is actually, I'm also attracted to him as a person. Like, uh, you know, his mind is attractive. They talk about um, Jainan, like, doing these uh, essentially, like, karate movesets where he has, like, a bow staff, which is something from his home planet. Yeah. And Keem is like, wow, he's, like, a like a skilled fighter, too, and... Uh, Keem is trying to be very respective of Jainan, and he helps him. One of the big plots of the book is that Tam, Jainan's ex-husband, had essentially made it. They have these bracelets that I essentially think of as, like, a smartwatch. (laughs) The way I picture that, you know the armbands you get in Disney that have, like, all your meals and everything on it. Yeah. They have, like, one of those, but if it was 400 years in the future. Yeah, it does everything. Like, they, like, tap it, and it pulls up, like, paperwork they need to look at. It, like, pulls up, like, press articles to read. So it's essentially a bracelet that does everything, because it's a sci-fi yeah. society of the future. Um, But Keem finds out that Jainan's wristband had essentially been co-opted by Tam, so Jainan can't do anything without Keem's permission, because that's how Tam had made it, is that Jainan essentially had to ask him if he wanted to make a call, if he wanted to look at something, if he, he had to get permission from his husband first. And Keem is like, okay, that's fucked up. So Keem kind of, like, releases it, and then 
Jainan's like, can I, like, call my sister? And Keem's like, yeah, you don't even need to ask me. Just do it. So, like, there's all these moments in the beginning of the book like this where Keem is just, like, essentially an amazing person. Well, honestly, the bar is so low. Keem's just a good guy, but Jainan has never had a good guy as a husband, so he doesn't really know what it's like. (laughs) The only problem I had with the beginning of the book was not the the slowness of it, but they were having conversations that I feel like could have been condensed in like this like the breakup of the scenes into like other moments that had already happened, so it felt like they were just repeating certain events over and over again to me and but like and then I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to get the idea that a lot of time like you know. I can't remember how much time they have to sign the trill the treaty. Yeah, I think it's I think it if I remember correctly, it's like a month, month from the beginning of the book, book. So I think a couple weeks it's, passes. So I was like, maybe it's been like two or three weeks. And then I got to like the part where like I think the book really picks up and they were like, It's been a week and I was like, Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, because they were like knocked <laughs> unconscious for a while yeah. or whatever. But also, before we move into the main plot of the book, I just wanna give a shout out to a side character. Which is Belle. Yeah, best character. She is... Belle is... Uh, oh, also... Shit, I should have talked about this at the beginning. Okay. The, another aspect of this book that I really love is the gender identity uh, aspect of it. So, in this society, um, gender identity is, is very fluid. It's whatever you, kind of you want it to be. But they have come up with a system where if you identify as male, you essentially wear something that's made of wood. So it could be a pin, it could be an earring, it could be a necklace, it could be like a hair decoration, whatever. It's like if you were wearing something that was made with wood on yourself, everyone would know to address you as like he, him. If you identify as female, you wear something made of flint. Uh, Again, same thing, maybe like an earring, maybe like a, a lapel pin. But people would know to be like, she, her. And if you identify as neither, you wear something made of glass. So you could have, like, glass beads, glass, like, ring, something. And they would know to use they, them for you. Um, what I found more interesting about that is when there's a chapter from Jainan's point of view where he's, like, he's, like, Iskat or Iskinners or whatever they call them. Um, think their gender identity policies are really easy to understand, but to him, he's still like, yeah, uncomfortable. And, but that was really a really interesting thing too, because I guess on Jainan's planet, the way they identify gender is by how they tie their scarf. I think he said, yeah, yeah. So he's coming from a different culture, and he's and, like, they think it's so easy, but I learned a different way. But like, what I took out of that was like, okay, so both these planets. I have, like, very good gender identity policies, but, like, if you transpose that to our time, even people who might be willing or leaning towards being better about gender identity, like, if they were, like, not good about it before, you know, even if you teach them the very basics and then they think, and then and you think it's easy to them, it will still be hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so, like, it's, you know... I thought it was really interesting, the way that they approach gender identity in the books. Like, yeah. I, I really liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, sorry, I got off on a tangent on that, but I did want to make sure that we mentioned that, because uh, I thought that was a really cool element of the book. But anyway, Belle is a side character, and she is Keem's aide, essentially. The primary aide... And what's funny about funny about her, I guess, is she essentially comes from this planet that's full of, like, raiders. It's essentially like this, Tortuga, the planet. Yeah, to pi- a pirate planet. And so she's really good at what she does because she knows how to hack. However, she does say she was not born on a planet. She's she was. She was born. born on a spaceship, but to one of the raider clans yeah. of a different planet. But, uh, so she's, she's really good as an aide, and she kind of used Keem as a way to get out of that life, and she wanted, she didn't want to have to live that way anymore, and she essentially, like, saw Keem was a hot mess, is kind of how I imagined it, and she was like, hey, I can work for you, I can figure this out, we can make this work, and she's the one that kind of pointed him in the direction of the charity work, and then she, like, has his schedule down, like, pat, and she's got everything under control, and... 
She's just an amazing side character. I well, just because Keem's just so. a toddler. Like, he'll, you'll be like, go buy apples. And he'll be like, okay. And then on the way there, he'll be like, look at that bright flag. And then he'll be gone for seven hours. <laughs> oh, and one other thing to note. I'm sorry. I'm just going to get to I don't know how interesting this is to other people. You should definitely read this book, whoever's listening to this podcast, though. But one thing that I liked about Keem in the beginning uh, with his and Jainan's relationship is... Uh, Keem researches what, like, is in Jainan's oh, home planet's yeah. households. Like, how how do they... What does that normal household look like? Because he wants to try and make their rooms look more yeah. like his stuff. So he gives them, like, a... He puts up, like, a clan he flag, a, which takes up, like, the majority of one of the walls. Yeah, and he's like, like you, should, you should put this clan flag up, because, you know, these rooms are your place, too. It shouldn't just be all my stuff. And Jainan is like, what the fuck? Tam never let me decorate anything. His his ex-husband. And I just, I thought that was a really cute aspect. That Keem was like, you know, it's our shared space. It should have both elements yeah, of yeah. us, you know? Um, But anyway, now let's get into the actual plot of the book. So, these two get married. The beginning of the book. Just them being ridiculous. Uh, I, I have feelings for him, but he doesn't have feelings for me. I can't make it, blah, blah, blah. That kind of heartache that I love from there, romance series. And, and like not like don't forget they're getting married in order to ratify a treaty or like re-ratify a treaty but the problem with this treaty is not that like it's between Iskat and what the heck is Han- uh, I can't remember I can't remember Jainan uh, anyways their planets but it's to there's apparently things called links, and they never really fully tell you what it is. Thea. Thea. But it's, it's Kat and Thea. It's a it seems to be a portal that allows faster than like travel or like quick travel across the galaxy. So it's the only way for systems of planets to have access to a wider uh you know, the wider galaxy. Or it's like cosmos. And there's only one link in their system, and it's controlled by... I always want to call them the Adjudicators. No, they're called Auditors. Auditors. <laughs> by this group of people who come from somewhere, and we don't really know where they're from. I think that Auditors represent the wider universe yeah. as a whole. They represent like the galactic treaties. And if you're a part... And this is only one galaxy. The, this treaty allows you to be protected by that big organization. organization but yeah. there are hinted at other groups of planets that are massive like empires. And if you're not a part of that, they're going to come and take your link and also probably just conquer you because they have like thousands of planets. Right. But, so like, it seems like... It... it, it Seems it's it's very reminiscent of like being like Liechtenstein and then being like France, please help. France, <laughs> <laughs> help. Um. So the bigger plot is, Jainan's old husband, Prince Tam, died. He sucked. Let's be honest. He sucked big time. Um. He died in an accident, but. Part of the through line is Jainan is kind of investigating this because he thinks it's weird that it was an accident and that he wasn't allowed to access the files because it's his husband's death. Um, and so with Keem's help, him and Jai- Keem and Jainan are kind of, you know, investigating this a little bit. And essentially it turns out, surprise, surprise, his death was not necessarily an accident. And they find out that Tam was maybe involved with some illicit going-ons at this mining camp called the Kingfisher that he worked at. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it kind of boils down to Keem and Jainan start researching this. Well, Keem kind of starts researching it because he thinks it's weird that they won't let Jainan have any information because he is Tam's ex-husband. And then they find out that Jainan is kind of being framed for Tam's death, which Jainan didn't even know about because he didn't have access to his bracelet. But somebody had put 
files on there that Jainan couldn't even access that kind of, like, implied that he was involved with it. And there's even this moment in the book where Jainan has been so gaslit by Tam that he's like, oh my god, did I do something? He's like, I don't remember, but, like, I'm a horrible person. Because, like, Tam had told him his whole life that he was, like, basically shit. So Jainan's like, I don't know, I am kind of a bad person. Maybe I did do something. And Keem's like, no, 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 no. There's no way that that happened. Um, So, okay, I lost my train of thought. Hold on. So they're researching this crash. The auditors that are coming to reinstate, re-ratify the treaty essentially say they can't do it while there's this suspicions hanging around Tam's death. Um, which I guess it makes sense to me that they would say that. Well, I think like the because like the question for the auditors is like, are you being a part of this treaty protects you from invasion? But what would a single planet have to offer this organization of large planetary you know groups by itself? Maybe the Iscat Empire as a whole has something to offer, but not but not by itself. So right. they're like, you have to, you have to have everybody on yeah. board with this. Um. So, and another thing to note, which is kind of important, Jainan's planet Thea is special within this galaxy because it's the only planet that joined the Empire's treaty willingly. So they joined the other planets that are in the system that are under the Empire's protection in the treaty were forcibly uh, taken over by the Emperor and her army. But Jainan's planet was never at war with Iskat and the Empire. They kind of came into the fold and said, hey, we see that you're big and strong. We have resources that could be valuable to you. How about we join up and make this work? Kind of thing. Um, so, and it also, at this time, I think the the main reason, actually, that the auditor says that they can't um, approve the treaty is not even because they think Jainan might have killed Tam. It's because there is a civil unrest on Thea, yeah. Jainan's planet, because they don't think that Iscat is giving them, like, a full... Or a fair dealing, yeah, yeah, kind of. So, um, anyway, so oh, I think it is kind of funny. This is kind of the where you have to suspend your belief a little bit in books like these. I feel, or just like fiction books in general, because I think Jainan and Keem do a better job of investigating than literally anybody else that's working on this case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, they go to the, what are they called? Like, internal security. Mm. And they're, like, the CIA, essentially. And they're also working on this case, but are getting, like, nowhere. But then Jainan and Keem, like, figure out more information than they do. Um, So, essentially, their investigation leads them to Kingfisher, where... um, Which, if you didn't know, Kingfisher birds are symbolic of courage and freedom. And they, I think they talk about that in the book a little bit. Oh, okay. Because they, they're like, what even is a kingfisher? And then they say it's like a bird that, like, dives down to Because this is one of my favorite parts of the book, which is funny because, like, there's cool stuff in it, but I just love that Jainan is, re- like, repeatedly, like, birds on this planet are not birds. They're freaking <laughs> also, evil. we're getting there, but at one point they encounter a bear, but it's described as, like, a large reptile, well, and I'm yeah, like, what I, the no. fuck <laughs> is happening? But you know what? They could have just given all these animals weird random sci-fi names, but instead they're like, no, it's just the bird, but it's, like, a killer bird. Yeah, like, like, and they're like, oh, it's doves, but like, it sounds like you're getting attacked Jaden, by, like, a spear. Yeah, Jaden is like, oh, don't feed the doves. Um, and then Keem's like, oh, I already did that, and then the doves keep coming back, but they are, like, a lurking, Murder murderous birds. presence outside the window. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, so they go to this Kingfisher base, they don't go to the actual Kingfisher, and they meet up with one of Tam's old colleagues, Aaron? Aaron. I think That's A-R-E-N, I was, yeah. I was just saying Aaron, and... 
it was funny because when you met Aaron, he comes up as this very friendly, affable, kind of like nice guy. Kind of like he seemed to me like he was meant to be like shown as like similar to Keen. He was like the only person in the book who but, is not a jerk aside from like Belle's a jerk, but like in a fun way, like she's like needling you. Yeah. And like, I was like, this man, like they keep telling me how nice he is and his smile. I don't trust him at all. Exactly. I was going to say, it was interesting because I, like, Keem, when he first met Aaron, he was like, okay, I can kind of understand this guy's personality because, like, it's similar to mine, so I can kind of, like, swing it so that we can get him to, like, help us. But in my mind, I was like, I don't trust this motherfucker at all. And I didn't trust him because Aaron was one of Tam's old friends and described as very close to Tam and Jainan seemed like he didn't like him. So that, to me, said that Aaron knew what was going on with Tam and Jainan and just stood by and did, said nothing and did nothing, which made me feel like he was a horrible person from the moment I met him. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was just like, they told me about how much he smiles, and there's an old creepypasta called The Smiling Man, and I was like, therefore, he is a monster. <laughs> so anyway, they go to this base, and they essentially pull through... The flybug data from Tam's crash, they pull through Kingfisher data that they can get, they pull through financial records to see if they can figure out, and since Keem is a, is a prince that is one of the people in line to the throne, even though he's very far down, um, he essentially gets, like, all access that he wants here, um, and Aaron seems like he's helping them the whole time and is, like, very friendly, uh, so, spoiler, if you can't tell, we really don't like Aaron. There's a reason he's kind of, like, the bad guy. So, if you want to read the book, maybe don't uh, keep listening if you don't want to know how. But, um, so they, and so then they're like, okay, we're getting really close. And then they, I think they get called, they have to leave because Keem had, or they get called by the Emperor or yeah. something, I think. Because uh, it wasn't even for the school trip thing, because originally Jainan was going to stay alone at mm. the base while Keem went back. But then Jainan has to go too, and I think it's because the Emperor called them back. Or some higher authority, I can't remember who exactly. So they get in their fly bug, their little flying car. And they're making their way back to the Empire, but they take, like, a different route. They take, like, a long route because they don't really want to go. They talk about the flybugs not working over certain parts where there is no, like, metal, like, special metal on the ground. That is what makes them fly. And they kind of take, like, a longer route. And I think they go, like, over a mountain. Yeah, they go, like, through, like, a valley, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's not connected to, like, a main road kind of thing, but they can still use the flybug. And then while they're flying, surprise, surprise, they have a malfunction in their flybug that is exactly mm -hmm. the same as the malfunction that and, Prince and Tam had. And at this had. point, John has already found out <clears throat> that the explanation, or the way the flybug broke with Tam was exactly the same as, like, a description in a textbook. In a textbook. Yeah. So somebody had, like, taken just, that and copied yeah. the codes so that it looked like that yeah. in the in the, the vehicle is kind of what I assumed. Mm -hmm. So they break down, and then I think that this crash happening is, like, the climactic... It's when the pace of the story yeah. changes, and it gets, like, really intense. So it crashes, but they both live because they took a different route. So when they crash, they are able to land on this, like, shelf in the mountaintops instead of, like, I think if they had taken one of the main tunnels, they, they would have, like, crashed high. into a... Uh, well, he, he specifically says something about them not being as high as they would have been. Mm -hmm. And so they don't. They also didn't plummet three miles. They just fell like a little bit, yeah. and they, they still broke their shuttle. And Keem got um, launched through the roof. Keem got launched through the roof. <laughs> um, and essentially, here they have the these moments of like struggling to survive together. They have to walk through the snow for like three days, I think, <laughs> to get back to mollies. to get back to somewhere where they have service on their bracelet, so they can call for help and. Like I said, they're, they're climbing down the mountain. Jainan is like, wow, Keem is actually a great outdoorsman. Like, he's great at hiking. 
And I guess it's because when Keem was a bad child, they would send him to monasteries in the mountains where he did hiking all the time. Well, they also, so. and they've also talked about repeatedly, like, Jainan doesn't understand how to deal with cold weather at all. Yeah, because he's from a tropical yeah, planet. Yeah, and Keem is kind of like us, like, being from Buffalo. We're just like, hey, you just put, like, just five like layers this. on and you just keep moving. <laughs> yeah, and so they're, like, forging through the snow together. At one point, they get attacked by that weird bear thing, and Jainan, with his martial skills, mm-hmm. fights it off with just a stick. But during that altercation, Keem falls into, uh, like, frozen water. water yeah. And is, gets very close to, like, falling into hypothermia. Um, but Jainan kind of, like, helps him and saves him. And I just thought it was so cute, like, when Keem is, like, falling uh, asleep, he can, like, hear Jainan being like, please be okay, like, please, like, I need you to be okay, please be okay. And I don't know, I just thought, like, this high-stress situation is kind of what pushes Jainan and Keem to finally be like, we do have feelings for each other. And then I'll just let you read the book if you want to know what they do in a tent together. <laughs> you can just read that part. But it's so good. Um, so they finally get together. And they're like, okay. Let's let's go. Well, actually, it's still awkward because, you know, Jainan is like, I don't know if that was like adrenaline or if he really likes me. And Keem is like, oh, yeah, I'm with my hubby. Kind of mm-hmm. like. But anyway, they get back to civilization after that cute little uh, hiking trip in the mountains together after they almost died. And they're essentially they find out that. You know, the auditors were weighing whether to approve them as treaty representatives this whole time, and they have been denied. Yes. But not only have they been denied, but all the treaties have been denied. And I can't remember why they said that all of them were denied. I just remember uh, Keem being like, I only looked at me and Jainan, but everybody else also said denied. And I think it was... um, I think it was on the premise that if if one person said no, they were just going to deny the whole yeah. group or something like that. Um, so, yeah, this is where we get into the real nitty gritty of the politics aspect of the book. I don't want to go into too much detail about it because like, you can read it if you kind of want to know. But there are a couple of side characters that we didn't mention at this point. Um, there's a general... There's a general... Internal security is looking at the professor that Jainan worked with, Professor Adula, I think her name was, and thinking maybe she was the one that tried to kill Tam, but it's just another misdirection, and Keem actually goes to them and gets help the, from them. The one thing we should have mentioned is there are remnants, which is, are, like, weird artifacts that you never really understand what they are, but they have, like, some crazy psychic powers and stuff. Yeah. And they talk about the people, the auditors and stuff, having, like, the ability to read your mind and, like, get in your brain and stuff. So, from my understanding, the well, I mean, I think this is what they are. Tell me if you agree. The remnants are, like, remnants of a more advanced civilization that are somehow just, like, drifting in space or, like, found on planets sometimes that, for some reason, the auditors collect as, like, payment for keeping the treaty open, and if you don't turn over the artifacts, like, you are essentially in breach of treaty. Yeah, well, so. I... The, the reason I brought it up is because there's one that hasn't been... That they, like... Is it on Thea or is it on Iskat? Oh, I think it's on Iskat. Iskat, and they're, like... The Tau field? Yeah, they're like, we just discovered this. And the auditors are like, how did you just discover this? It's freaking massive. Yeah. And um, it's like a relaxation device, they say. Um, but it really, it's an interrogation yeah. device. But what I pictured the artifacts as being was like, okay, the auditors are from like a civilization that has like vastly more power than just like Iskat and Thea and all that. And why do they have more power? It's probably because they have all the artifacts. artifacts. And, like, you know, they have the ability to just wipe, like, Iskat and Thea off the map. But they're like, if you give us your artifacts, we will use them to protect you and also stop other civilizations that would have artifacts from using them against you. Also, I didn't think about this until just now, but the Auditor's ship 
is described as this massive black, like, obelisk type ship, right? Mm. And it's so massive, but it's only flown by three people. Yeah. Which is the auditor and, like, his two assistants. And the auditors are described as having these kind of, like, face shields that hide their faces and their expressions, and it kind of changes and makes it, like, hard for you to focus and look at them. Which is kind of how the artifacts are described, too. Maybe the artifacts are from the auditors' civilizations, and they're just trying to take them back. I, I didn't I think of it until now, I but... could see that, but I think the masks are just made out of whatever the artifacts are made out of to prevent other people from, like, mind-controlling them. Maybe. Oh, that yeah, that's a good point, too. All right, anyway. Well, maybe we'll know. They don't go into deep detail in this, but there are more books coming out in this world, so maybe they'll get into it. Um... But anyway, so Keem goes uh, to this professor, Adula, who's being not who's most recently being framed for Tam's death because apparently her and Tam had a history and it was not good. And Adula is like, I didn't kill Tam, but I also think his death was sus. So I've been looking into it, basically, because they also want to keep like everything kosher. And... They, with Keem's help, they kind of hack into this data thing from Kingfisher, and they find out that the whole upper-level crew of the Kingfisher project are all being blackmailed by this general, who is barely shows up in this book and is only mentioned a number of times, but he is clearly the big, big bad. Um... And she essentially also finds the blackmail information that they have on Tam... And Keem is like, I don't want you to look at that, but I'm going to look at it. And essentially, this data confirms that Tam was essentially physically, not only mentally, but also physically abusive to Jainan. And that's the, the blackmail that they had on him, because if, the, if this video got out of Tam, like, assaulting Jainan... Another royal. Another royal who, is, like, a treaty is dependent on his safety, it would kind of end everything... So Tam kind of was, like, blackmailed with that information. Um, so, again, Tam, horrible person. Hate him. <laughs> but, um, and at this point, I think Keem goes to Jainan, and he's like, Jainan, I want you to know, like, I saw this thing. Um, before, even even before he goes, they find this out, though. Um, they have been essentially, like, shipped off. Like, like you know, the Emperor is like, you haven't been ratified, like, like, okay for this treaty, but we still have to get this done. So even if there's, like, a small chance, I'm shoot-sending both of you to the space station. Yeah, so we're at the space station for this treaty signing. Yeah, even though they're technically not allowed to sign it. Right, just, like, a last-ditch effort hoping this will work. So Keem goes to Jainan and essentially he's like, I feel like I need to tell you that I saw this because like it's you should know I know this like very personal thing about you. And I think Jainan reacts in a very real way to how somebody would react where he he gets mad at Keem mm -hmm. because and they they even say it like once Jainan knows that Keem knows that Tam was like that to him. Jainan's like, how could Keem ever love me? All he's gonna do is pity me now. Like, that, that it made sense to me because of the abuse that Jainan had suffered that he would think that way. Yeah. So essentially, they get into this fight and Jainan, like, storms off. Um, sorry, I saw that thing on the side of the desk and I was like, what is that? Um, and when he storms off, Jainan ends up getting kidnapped. Um, yeah. And Keem doesn't know initially. So now we're really into the end of the book um, where Keem gets kidnapped by Aaron, who's working for this corrupt general. Jainan gets kidnapped. Oh, Jainan. Sorry, did I say Keem? Jainan gets kidnapped by Aaron, and who's working for this corrupt general. And there's he's essentially... Aaron's plan is to brainwash Keem with this artifact that they stole, which they need to get back if they want the treaty to go through. But the thing is, this army general, I can't even remember his name because it's only he's mentioned like, like only, three times. He's only passively in the book. This army general essentially wants war. He wants to go to war. He wants to reclaim that old power of the empire. 
and go forth into the galaxy and conquer other galaxy clusters too, not just their own. Um, so they don't want the treaty to go through. So Aaron's plan is to use this artifact to brainwash Jainan into thinking that not only did he kill Tam, but he also attempted to kill Keem, which didn't really make sense to me that it would work because Jainan was also in the plane. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a murder suicide. But um so he's like using this on his brain, which could like really fuck you up if you use it, and essentially puts you in these simulations. And he puts him in these simulations where he thinks he's like talking to Tam and trying to rewrite his memories. Um and once he's put in the towel field, I think it has to run for eight hours. Like they can't stop it. Yes, or else he could like have brain damage if he was forcefully pulled out of Mm. it. So Keem, of course, with Bell's help, kind of runs to the rescue. They kind of break into the Kingfisher, uh, find uh, where Jainan is being interrogated. Bell is a badass. She's, she, like, d- disarms a person yeah, and, like, like fucking... Yeah, like, hacks a computer. Yeah, hacks a computer. She's, like, so sick. Um, and Keem essentially sees that Jainan is, like, in pain in this towel field, and he, like puts on the other end of it and tries to go into the simulation to help Jainan get out of his own... Sorry. (laughs) My alarm went off. Uh, To get out of the simulation safely. And I... I I don't think I will... Essentially, what I think is important about... I mean, maybe not important, but I liked it about the Tau field is it really just showed how... more In more detail, how fucked up Tam was. Yeah. Um... Which really helps you understand why it was so hard for Jainan to uh, become a more confident, like, open person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, I won't go into the details of what they see in there, but Keem does help him get out. Yeah, like, Keem repeatedly walks into, like, a memory Jainan's having. And he's like, this is a dream. This is an illusion. And Jainan's like, no, and then leaves. And then, like... Keen will follow him to another one and be like, you're sleeping! <laughs> get up! Yeah. yeah. Um. So they get out of it. They... How do they... Because they get out of it and Aaron is there, but then I think Keem throws his weight around as a prince because there's some lower level people with him too, and he's like... Oh, no, Bell went. I think Bell went and sent a message so, to say that they were there. Hold on, we're skipping something important. Okay. They wake... Um. They wake up and then now, like, they think they've woken up, but they're in another false memory. Um, and, um, because Arwen, or Arwen, Aaron. Aaron has returned while they were both in there and disarmed Bell. And he, he, so they wake up again, but they're still in the towel field and they think they're awake for real. And then this is one of my least favorite parts of the book because I, I think the book would have been vastly more interesting at this point. I don't know about that. Uh, Tam is standing there and they're like, what the hell? You're dead. He's like all burned and yeah. stuff. Like and, he had survived his crash. And I think that would have, like, the Agatha Christie and then there were nuns subplot coming out there would have been like, oh, the villain was alive the whole time even though they were the first person who died. See, I don't agree with you, but I think it's just because I think Tam's a piece of shit, and I don't want him to be that alive in any way, shape, or form. That much more nefarious. I don't want him to be alive. I want but, him dead. But dead. then they wake up again, and Aaron is like, "Oh, you got me," you know. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Bell's been disarmed, uh, and he's like threatening them with a. I don't, they call him a slug something. Their weapon. Yeah, it's like a phaser. Yeah. It's kind of how I pictured it, at least. <laughs> that was my least favorite name of all the sci-fi stuff in this thing. They have the some kooky names yeah. in here. But um, they wake up, and uh, he's got a gun resting on them, and Bell tries to sneak up on him while he's focused on Keem and John, and, and without even looking, he's like, uh, he shoots her in, like, a leg or something. I think that's at the beginning. I think. I'm, try- I'm trying to remember. It's fu- it's fuzzy for me. I think that's when they first go in that that happens, where he shoots her in the leg. He doesn't shoot her in a major body part, and then she's able to still get up and shoot him and disarm him. I don't, I don't know. Think I think so. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I don't think he was there until after they woke up, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I see what you're saying. I thought you meant when they first broke in, he was in the room. 
No, I okay. think the the person that had the other helmet on yeah, or something yeah. did that to Belle at the beginning because mm-hmm. like they were not in the simulation with Jinan at that yeah. time. Yeah, but anyways, he's focused on Jinan and Keem, uh, and I'm trying to think of how Keem ends up like draped over Jinan. I I don't remember, but I do think that the way that that resolved is that Belle had sent out a distress signal before she got caught by yeah. Aaron. So essentially she's like, look, you can keep, like, fucking with Keem and Jainan, but, like, help is on the way for both of them. And they know that they're here. And I think then Keem just kind of passes out on top of Jainan. No, see, we're, this is... I know, unless I'm hallucinating, right? Keem and Jainan... Like, Jainan's on the floor hurt, and Keem is covering him. Uh, and then ends up moving away. And Aaron is like, I'm going to shoot him unless you uh, lower your gun. And so Keem lowers the gun. Aaron stands up away from the body. Because I thought it was the fucking funniest thing I'd ever read. Is that this guy is like... Oh, the breath is called a capper, by the way. Yeah. I just looked... I'm looking up this part just to but, make sure. But he he's like, hey, lower your gun and I'll snap away from Jainan. And <laughs> Keem is like, okay. And then Aaron's like, see, I kept my word. And Keem's like, good. And then shoots him in the chest and kills him. He doesn't kill him, because the cappers don't kill. It's just the funniest thing ever. I just looked up the part because I wanted to make sure we got it right. I mean, it's not really important. If you read this book yourself, you'll know. But, so, Aaron comes in first. That whole scene happens that you just described, where he, like, has the gun, and then he's like... Essentially, Aaron says, like, listen, Keem, you can get out of this if you just let Jainan take the fall. I won't hurt you or anything. And, J- and Keem's like, no. And Jainan's like, okay, I'll do it. And then that whole thing happens where he, like, picks up the gun and shoots him. And then Belle comes in with other soldiers. And she is sent a distress signal and she's told the soldiers what's going on. So essentially Aaron is, like, kind of cornered when yeah. Belle arrives after they have that whole altercation between Keem and Jainan and it's it's a little there's a lot going on in a few chapters at this point. Yeah, so well, it's also it's just like, it's a lot of moving parts in like like it's almost like a D and D round where like stuff is happening in six seconds. Yes. Um. Okay. So then that happens. They both get safely rescued, taken back to the they treaty ship. They know where ship. the artifacts are. They know where the artifacts are. Kingfisher had been doing this corrupt thing where they were hiding artifacts because they wanted that corrupt general wanted to try and bring glory back to the Empire by going to war kind of thing. They turn all the stolen artifacts over to the Auditor, and then they are like, essentially, again, this is where you have to suspend disbelief, but I'm happy with it. I like a happy ending for our boys, right? Yeah, I, don't really, <laughs> I don't really care. Ian said, eh. Because, essentially, Keem and Jainan mostly Jainan, comes up with this master plan where he gets all the other planets in the system on board with it, and they come up with this treaty that essentially makes them not an empire, but a federation. A federation. And where they all the planets have equal part, and they will have kind of like a... like a parliament, I guess, where with representatives to make decisions for the whole galaxy. Or for their galaxy, for their planetary system. And they kind of put it before the Emperor, and they're like, if you sign this, all the planets will agree, and the treaty will be good, and there will be no war, basically. And the Emperor is just like, you know what, fuck it. At this point, I guess I'll just sign it, and we'll worry about it, because I think they sign them every 20 20 years. years. She's like, we'll worry about it again in the next 20 years about hammering out the details. And they sign it and make their system a federation. And they're safe from outer galaxy pressure, kind of. And all the planets have a more equal fit footing with Iskat and the Emperor planet. Um, and I'll just say that it just ends with a beautiful, happy ending for Keem and Jainan. And I love them, and they deserve a happy ending. I, so. didn't, I didn't have, like, a personal... I like I didn't identify with either of them in, in like almost any way, which is 
probably good because one is like a trauma survivor and the other is like a weird playboy with no prospects in life except that he's rich. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but... So I was like, yeah, these are the main characters, but like the person I find the most interesting is probably Belle. <laughs> Yeah, Belle was really cool. So, like, I just didn't care what happened to them. I wanted to know more about the politics. I I liked it. I feel like this book, it's so funny because before we read this book, I was, like, looking up reviews about it because I was like, I don't know, I don't, am I going to like this book? And I thought it was so funny because all the reviews were like, this is a political book with a little bit of romance. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, that doesn't sound like I'm going to like it. I want romance with a little bit of politics. But then it turned out, that's what this is. It's romance with a little bit of politics. So I don't know what the fuck all those reviews were talking about. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, um, but, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine book. And, like, I think it's really interesting. And they're, like, a super talented writer. But, like, I just needed more culture. So, um, like I said, I will just say a bit really quick. Uh, about I really love this book a lot and Everina Maxwell has got a forever fan in me I feel like because I looked up and they are writing another book in this universe called uh, Ocean's Echo and I was curious about what the plot was about it's about soldiers that work at one of the gates okay the the uh, hyper travel gates yeah, yeah. like between the galaxies and I was like, oh, I bet we'll get a little more information on, like, the outer systems yeah, and yeah. the other, how they... So, it, I don't know, I think I... What I would hope for this series is if Everina continues to write books in this story, this world, with each book you'd get a little more in-depth information about the world, about yeah, the yeah. galaxy systems and all that, so... Um, but I really, I really like this book. I... Uh well hold on first we'll say did you have did you have a favorite part of the book? Um Yeah, I mean like I guess it's when Keem and and we didn't talk about this, but Keem goes to talk to the auditor at one point by himself just to try and figure out what's going on and they're talking about how like inhuman they seem, the auditors. That's probably the most interesting part to me. I think uh um was that Keem or was that Jainan that was doing that? Don't I think Keem was talking it? to the professor at that point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and maybe. Jainan went to yeah. go talk to him. Yeah. Then. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, I just, because, like, I'm more interested in this kind of, like, cosmic, elder, and at magic, that, science. At that part, you do get, a, like, a deeper description of, like, the auditor's ship and, like, their technology and, like, how it's all this kind of weird non-Euclidean shapes and angles and people are floating at weird spots within the ship yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think my answer is a little more... Ba I, I liked the whole sequence where after the plane crash happened was That my was probably part, my least favorite part where of they, the Where they're hiking through the wilderness and trying to survive together and their feelings for each other are kind of like coming to a head and all that kind of stuff, so... There's just a few too many times in the book for me where both of them, I think, are making mistakes that are believable, but if they had happened this many times, someone with higher power would have stepped in and been like, you need to get your shit together and do your job. For, like, what, for which things? Like, like, you know, that, that doesn't matter in the crash, because they've crashed and that's not their fault. But they just stop and start, like, arguing at one point in the snow, and I'm like, you're freezing to death. <laughs> and then, like, Keem will, like, you know, like, they both are investigating what seems to be, like, a military coup and someone has murdered a prince. And so the first thing they do is go to, like, internal security instead of, like, and, and like, make themselves targets. They're not very sneaky for people who are yeah, trying to figure out a murder. I guess they're not very sneaky, but I don't know. In my mind, it made sense because they didn't want to be hiding it because they didn't want people to think that they were responsible. They wanted them to know they were looking into it Well, for their own... I think they hit a point where they understand that that's what they need to do. But for maybe like the first 200 pages, they, they do stuff that forces them to reach that level. Where, like, they just kind of are, like, out in the open about investigating what they think is a murder that's been publicized as an accident. And that forces them to be, like, 
we need to be open about this now because everyone knows we're doing it. And it just feels like they have no sense of self-preservation despite investigating a prince's murder. Maybe. I don't know. It was weird. Um... So, yeah, so I like that. I, so, I love this book. For me, I give this 5 out of 5 stars. Or 10 out of 10. Whatever rating system you would give. That's like it, a... I think I went in with zero expectations as part of the thing, too. So, I didn't realize I was going to love it so much. Which, in my opinion, most of the time, that makes it get a higher rating. You know? It's like a 3 out of 5 or 3.5 out of 5. Because she's Shocking a very... Or are they they? She, they. Uh, I'm not sure. That's why I keep referring Anyways, to Brina as they. Because I'm not sure. Very, They're very talented writers. Like or, uh, write, uh, like the way they write is very fluid. It says, it says she in the about. Very the like tactile, which is like one of the most important things for me in writing is that people aren't just in an environment, but the environment like has Affecting. A, has yeah yeah. They definitely this book has what I think is the, the honestly for me a book plot could be absolute shit. But if I feel the characterization is done well, if the character arcs are done well, if I feel like the characters are real, if I like the characters, it doesn't really matter what the book's about. I will like the characters. I know not everybody will agree with that take, but like I could read a bad story if I felt like the characters were good. You know, yeah. like if I care about the characters, that's that's the most important thing to me. But yeah, I mean, like, the the writing is very talented. It's just not, like, the kind of plot I prefer. I'm not saying How the plot was bad. I like the plot of this book, but... <laughs> However, what I was going to say, and this is, like, I do tend to like romance novels, but, like, what I... And I didn't realize this until you said it at the beginning with the alternating chapters, is that, like, my favorite romance novel series is just one day, just one year, and just one night. And instead of it being alternating chapters, it's actually multiple books from like the first book is her point of view yeah. the second book is his point of view and then finally you know the last book is a short story of like a reuniting moment um i think that's where the lock tomb series is going which but I'm right now. i would have had a more maybe i would have liked this more if it had been keem's point of view and then like jainan's point of view and because like i don't feel like i really knew either of them except that they're just kind of like I wonder what Keem's doing. I wonder what John is doing. It's so I weird. am never thinking about anything else except the other person in the book for the romance. It's so weird because I like did not get that sense at all. Like I feel like you really got to know the characters, and I I don't feel like they only thought about each other. Like Jainan's always thinking about his home planet, his family, and he's doing his work and research. You yeah, know? But and, it's like, like Keem... a passing thing compared mm -hmm. to the rest of the plot. <laughs> well, I if you. Are interested in a book about space politics with romance? This is for you. Um, so I think that wraps up this one. We are going kind of long, yeah. but um, but our book for next month is called "The Worm and His Kings" by Haley Piper. <clears throat> this is an Ian pick. Yeah. And well, okay, I I picked two books and let Ronnie pick from them. Yeah, and this one sounded more interesting to me. Uh, do you want to give a little description about this? I mean, I don't really... I, I It's a supernatural, yeah. cosmic It's set in 1990 novella. in New York. Um, and it kind of seems like it has, like, the Neverwhere vibes, where you can slip between the cracks of reality. And this woman, Monique, is looking for her girlfriend, Donna, who has vanished. And then they find, in, like, the undercity of New York, a cosmic ocean or cosmic city where there's like a monster was stalking people in there and she was taken and that's all we really know it's very short it's only it's really short it's only 114 pages it's more of a short story um but i'm looking forward to it i wanted something that would be existentially uh stimulating yeah there you go the opening quote the space circumvented by wormholes Corrine Valencia, professor in physics at Queens College University. Interesting. Yeah, so that is our book for next month. And uh, we hope you'll read along with us. Yeah. Thank you for letting uh, me ramble about Winter's Orbit and how much I liked it for over an hour. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.